I'd like to create that sort of magic and opportunities like a surf brand for other people too. Anyone who goes through there is leaving happier. They're leaving feeling better. They're leaving feeling fulfilled. They're leaving what the possibilities might be. How could they translate that into their own life? What ways to make that kind of impact? And, and it's so just kind of got me spinning. Like, how can I help create magic like that in this world? That's my like, biggest takeaway was like and, and strive for that. It's Cardodix, and welcome back. If this is your first time listening, that I'm so glad you found us. This week, I'm excited to share my conversation with my new pal, Zach Weisberg, the founder and CEO at The Inertia, a new media platform that has emerged as the definitive digital voice of surfing and the outdoors. Those of us in the audience, like me, that are big surfers, are obsessed with The Inertia. It's one of my favorite Instagram follows. And we get into how it started. Zach was an online editor at Surfer Magazine from 2007 through 2010. He shares a very prescient insight on why he left the seminal print publication to found the inertia. Then we get into a little bit of his career prior where he was a freelance journalist for the New York Times, Esquire, Oprah Magazine, O, and more. So big thanks to my friend and colleague, Amanda Price, VP of Marketing at Hunt Club for introducing Zach and me. Uh, She introduced us in the context of Zach joining me for a very unique event that Hunt Club was co-sponsoring at Kelly Slater's world-famous surf ranch in Central California just a few weeks ago at the time of this recording. And uh, Zach and I, we made a very special drive through the upper Ojai Valley and the Kiwiama Valley in Ventura County, where I'm from. Kind of, we went back up and trekked through Santa Barbara and San Luis Obispo counties to get to our final destination just south of Fresno in Kern County. It was about a three and a half hour drive. And we talk about this experience and how remarkable it was and also how quickly Zach and I became buds. When we got to the event, it was incredible. We dig into how we can't create the magic, but we can create the conditions for magic. So big thanks and and kudos to Kelly Slater and co who had succeeded in in creating a wonderful space. And the event that we sponsored, it was an intimate retreat for investors, entrepreneurs, and service providers from LA tech startup community that my firm sponsored, along with Crosscut Ventures, Fenwick, Top Attorneys, RDM, Top Dev Shop, and some other emerging LA tech firms. And uh, the event was called Making Waves. And uh, that we surely did. So this show has a lot to offer anybody that's interested in storytelling, online communities, surfing, ecstatic experiences, or anyone wanting to support a fellow USC Trojan. Uh, Zach shares a really unexpected insight about getting his MBA at USC that resonated very deeply with me too. At the end of the show, I will be sharing a list of resources mentioned in today's episode. As always, and a big special thank you to Hunt Club for sponsoring the show. Hunt Club is a new category of recruiting firm helping the next generation of category creators find the best talent. Go to huntclub.com to learn more. And so on to today's show. Here's Zach. Zach, first off, thank you so much for spending time with us today, amigo. Yeah, I'm so pumped to be here. I'm to reconnect after an epic adventure we had last week. I know. I'm so excited to dig into it. So where are you today? I am at the home office in Long Beach. Nice. Inertia HQ. Yeah. Recently moved south from Playa del Rey zone or Venice zone or acclimating, but uh, enjoying the transition. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, congrats. 
last week we shared what for me at least will be a lifelong memory for so many reasons and to catch the audience up we got to serve kelly slater surf ranch the perfect man-made wave in lamore california and for those in the audience that might not be familiar with the surf ranch can you catch us up and then for those non-surfers that are listening and haven't surfed it or don't surf more specifically why is it so unique and special yeah well the surf ranch is kind of this mythical venue in old lower california in the middle of cow pastures what was it about three ish hours north of la zone kind of equidistance between la and in san francisco where beyond belief there is a perfect barrel weight in the middle of nowhere that was you know spearheaded by kelly slater um who eventually partnered in with the wsl the world search week to have that be a property of theirs but it's kind of just this feat of imagination innovation it shouldn't exist but it does and it lives up really in every way it possibly could to what a server could imagine or i guess even a non-surfer as well but if you grew up surfing this is the thing that you hope to might potentially exist and it actually does yeah, it's like the wave that those surfers of us we drew on our notebooks in high school, like right that perfect wave. And yeah, it's man-made, right? They have this like kind of train pulley thing that pulls us foil, like perfect head high wave, and, and they have the the jet skier that follows you and kind of gives you the play by play on like turn and duck under the tube, and then you, they video it, you get to watch it, and they give you the coaching. I mean, my surfing got a lot better just in the, the one day and and a dozen or so waves I got helping me even just sort of like just be more spring-loaded and and bend my knees more. I was standing too tall and getting that immediate feedback was incredible. Yeah. The opportunity for that real-time feedback is is so valuable and unique too there. You know, that everything's documented, that there are people available to help offer guidance and or tips. It's rare that you'll get that opportunity to surf a wave like that in the ocean and then then you get this immediate feedback and it's kind of overwhelming. It's kind of sensory overload in, in a lot of ways. Your body, your mind, and soul kind of don't really quite know what to do with all that energy as it's happening. And you just kind of accept it and kind of wrap your head around it. And yeah, I mean, like you're saying, kind of coming down for a full week, like trying to wrap your head around what, what just happened and all the variables and the inputs that needed to, you know, work out for, for that to be a reality. It's kind of overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely an engineering feat. For me, I was in my head a little bit because when you go and surf, it's a lot more casual, right? But when you're in there and, and, you know, everybody's watching and, you know, you have limited waves and it's, you know, sort of expensive to do it. For me, I had a little performance anxiety. Totally. I mean, that's among the highest pressure situations or scenarios that could possibly exist in, in surfing, strangely. And like a lot of the pro surfers like Chris and more, we've chatted with quite a few of them and they, they feel that anxiety is equally ratcheted up for them, especially when they're competing. Because, you know, there's a scarcity. We essentially got assigned what, like two waves per hour that like, you know, are yours. Your results are kind of binary. You either succeed or fail in a lot of ways. And that's in everyone around you is trying to help facilitate you to succeed. So in some ways that even more, you know, how you deal with that situation 
Yeah, it, it's a level playing field, right? With surfing, it's a little bit more like poker where there's skill, but there's also luck in nature where depending on the wave count, I guess over time, like Kelly Slater, you know, he's the goat. With the surf ranch, you know, it's such a consistent, repeatable thing that it, there's a sort of an equalization that happens, right? And like we were out there with Timmy Curran who went with us and he was top pro surfer on the tour and he even said that his first time he went, that was the second he fell a bunch of times just because the wave is so different. It goes 15 miles an hour. It's pretty fast. Yeah, no, it is a little bit faster than, you know, standard ocean wave. And the reality of having nowhere to hide is very real. It's all up to you how <laughs> how it unfolds. And that can be paralyzing in some sense. It's because it's such an you know, amazing opportunity that you need to be grateful for, but then you also need all right, well, am I going to make the most of this opportunity? And hopefully you do. It's, it's sort of like this weird, it's like a FOMO, YOLO, combo burrito. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> FOMO, YOLO, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so the whole thing was an ecstatic experience. I mean, so you drove up from Long Beach, met me in Camarillo, north of Malibu, where I live, and hopped in my rig. And then we drove through Ventura County, through Upper Ojai, through Cuyama, the 33, which was another bucket list item for me. And I had never done that drive. And ironically, we got the scenic route, plus we beat that five traffic. So we won twice. That was really fun because, yeah, we had just met Amanda at, at Hunt Club. Our, our VP of marketing is a friend of yours, and she invited you. And that was just cool that we were able to kind of go and kind of make immediate friends. And it was fun, you know, like we got to Las Padres Forest, which is essentially, I don't know how many feet high. And then we looked west and we could see the Channel Islands, but we were above, above the cloud layer. So we could not see the ocean, but the clouds looked like a sea. It was a sea of clouds. Yeah, it was an unbelievable view that I had never seen before. It was a beautiful drive. And then there was like, well, I kind of came across the very East Coast fall-looking patches or trees. We went through like five different biomes on the way into the surf ranch. Yeah, we dropped into Kuyama, and it's pretty desolate back there, but there was some agriculture and some farming, which I was surprised to see. And then we ended up driving and hitting four county lines in like a 10 or 15-minute span. We hit Ventura County, Santa Barbara County, San Luis Obispo County, and then Kern County. That was pretty unexpected. Yeah, kind of got a quick little geography lesson there, too. Didn't realize kind of how the the land demarcations work as you're a bit, bit further east from the coast. Interesting. Yeah. And the, the thing that was occurring to me is it's, it's definitely in the spirit of California and maybe I'm biased because I'm that's where I live and I'm, I'm from, but there's sort of that pioneering spirit kind of that go west and a lot of what Silicon Valley has embraced and the gold rush of the 1840s. And that was one of the contexts of the conversation we had. And you had this insight where we were talking about, you were sort of making this label or distinction around from idea to thing. And we were sort of riffing on that in the context of Kelly Slater's vision to create this man-made wave and that was really rich context and, and evidence uh, to the power of imagination and then i was riffing on jack dangerman my former boss over at esri and he had that idea of living above the line and above the line is having context and below the line is having content and he would talk about that frequently and say that part of the reason for his success is he would always try to sort of step back and look at the big picture and not get so caught up in the automatic 
a stimulus response function, but try to, to have some space. And you told me that you had spent some time journaling after the event when we were texting. Were there any insights about any of this that would be uh, useful or insightful to share? Well, I mean, I really enjoyed that conversation too. And that concept of idea to think. It's like the space that is most enjoyable to live in, in a lot of ways, because it's so rewarding to create. And in order to do that, it requires vision, but the vision alone won't accomplish anything. There needs to be all these steps that are really practical and measurable that, you know, put that idea and manifest it into the world. And, you know, I couldn't be better personified than, than the place that we went to, the surf branch, and the people that we were there with, all these you know, really impressive business leaders and entrepreneurs that, and so in a lot of ways are masters of that idea and process and all the different individuals and groups you need to enlist in order to, you know, make that process happen. It's so fun to be in that space, especially if you have the opportunity to kind of architect it a bit. But yeah, I guess, it, you know, when it came to kind of reflecting on it, I think any time that I have an experience that's so enjoyable and so creates so much happiness, I really want to try to think about why, like, why did I feel that feeling and what was it about it and how can I try to replicate that? And so I just jotted down some footnotes as to what it was about it. And I think some of the items were, I felt so appreciative of the group of people I was with is really inspiring. I love being around people who have really big, bold visions and there's not a playbook on how to get there. And he figured out that's really inspiring to me. And then, well, yeah, the, the surf ranch in itself. I'd like to create that sort of magic and opportunities like that for other people too. The fact that it exists and was built and I and you, and we all got to, anyone who goes through there is leaving, oh, like happy. They're leaving feeling better. They're leaving feeling fulfilled. They're leaving thinking what the possibilities might be. How can they translate into that, into their own life? what ways to make that kind of impact and, and it's still just kind of got me spinning like how can I help create magic like that in this world that's my like biggest takeaway was like and, and strive for that try to because that was not a possibility not very long ago but now it, it is yeah I'm sort of even just getting the the goosebumps and the chills hearing you sort of talk about that. And it reminds me of an insight that one of my mentors, Duke Stump, quotes frequently is that we can't create the magic, but we can create the conditions for the magic. And that's definitely what the surf ranch has achieved is the conditions for the magic. I would agree with everything you said. And I would also add that it also gave me an opportunity to want to get better and get better in shape and be stronger so that next time I get the amazing fortunate opportunity that I can perform at a higher level too. Definitely. And I was in a situation like I, I, I had been able to go before. I'd been once before. And after going once before, I was like, if I ever get an opportunity to come back, that will, you know, I'll be up there you know, in half a second. But like, you know, it definitely left something to be desired on my last trip. And I was like, okay, well, I can make this like little refinements, improvements, and adjustments. You know, but it was like two and a half, three years ago. I guess that's all I really had any muscle memory, but I did have one data point and I tried to bring that with me, you know, last, last week. And, uh, and I think I, I made a few improvements 
generally just an awesome experience. Well, you would look great. I saw some of the video and photos you posted, and uh, I'm surprised you didn't win the wave of the day. You were just great, man. No, I, I appreciate that. I'll take it. But no, there there are some really good surfers there. You had 10, obviously 10, but you know, even among just the, the, the entrepreneurs and tech community, it's pretty cool. I mean, a lot of the, those folks surf, and that, that, that also was, was cool to see. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely something special about uh, surfing and probably some interesting parallels too to entrepreneurship. You know, you have to be mindful of the state conditions and, you know, the environment and a lot of moving parts. Like, you know, I'm good enough to be able to read the buoys and the weather and sort of, I mean, Surfline is great to sort of have an easy hack, but then other tools to sort of read what's happening. Yeah, I think that gets into a whole nother discussion. I do want to really celebrate what you've achieved at the inertia, Zach. And I think it's kind of in that same breath of, of sort of from idea to thing. And what a great vehicle for you to be able to kind of just on the daily share that stoke that surfing gives so many of us that are lucky enough to get to do it. But first, I'd love to rewind a little bit and, and learn a little bit about how you got here. And real quick, so looking at your on LinkedIn, on your academic background, you had studied at USC. What was your focus there? And were there any insights that you learned at school that have stuck with you or propelled you to where you are now? Yeah, so I, I went back and I did the MBA program at USC. So, yeah, so I went to business school. Well, it was that you know, motivated my move to Los Angeles in 2011 from, I was in you know, Orange County in San Diego, where I, initially I was an editor at Surfer Magazine, ran their digital stuff. But when I went to USC, I mean, I feel like my biggest takeaway, and we kind of chatted a bit about this in the, in the car, but it is, it is so um, fundamental in all our ways. It's not something that you need to get a graduate degree to learn, but it was just really revolved around the importance of, of relationships. And how important, you know, every relationship that you have is. And I feel like USC is really uh, transparent about the head you know, like the Trojan Network. You know, I, I went to undergrad at Duke and I, lo- I loved that experience so much. Uh, I wrestled there. The, the, the camaraderie and the climate, the environment was like, it felt way more competitive. Like, I'm, I'll do better than you. And that was just kind of how it felt a little bit. You had a student with like, oh, you better, you do better. I how can I help you? Like, oh, like, let me introduce you to this person. Let me introduce you to the hand at all. It's all going to come back around it. And as I kind of observed and saw, and you know, my background was kind of more in, as a journalist where you're really kind of like an island. You kind of fend into yourself. And, um, you know, I, I wrestled in college. And I think that was also a bit of the mentality. Like, it's not necessarily embracing that generosity i guess from other people but i, I think I, I came to realize how critical it is to succeeding like in anything and and really viewing all of your relationships as opportunities but you know relationships are really important and that was maybe my biggest takeaway from school beyond the fact that they all really believed in what i was doing because i had started the inertia prior to to going back to school i started it while I was applying and everyone there like really believed in it and kind of having that vote of confidence from a lot of people I really respected and I thought were smart people and and I was like oh they believe in me like maybe I can do this you know so 
I think that that inspired a lot of confidence as well. Got it. So you did writing as well, right? You were a freelance journalist with New York Times and some other pretty impressive organizations. Kind of walk us through the timeline. Did you study writing or journalism at Duke? Yes, I studied English at Duke. And um, and I'm from the East Coast. I'm from Virginia. I grew up surfing in Virginia Beach and the Outer Banks. And I always just thought, like, man, what, what could be the most fun, the coolest thing I could do to look out on a summer be And I just bugging, initially it was Volcom. I was bugging Volcom for an internship, my favorite surf company. And I just kept bugging them to the point of they're like, yeah, come, come on out, sure. <laughs> and like, I just, I came out on summer and strode across the country after my sophomore year. And I kind of discovered that people were living in gainfully employed, you know, working in surf, music, art, all these things that I love. And I was like, well, I'm definitely doing that. After I think that's the thing I'm going to do, sure. And then that transitioned up. the next summer, I came back with the same people and interned at Surfer Magazine, which is a way better fit for what I guess I was studying and maybe my skill set because I got to plug in and work on their website. You know, and kind of any publication, really, they're so understaffed. And I was so like bright eyed and bushy tailed. I was, you know, I was trying to do anything. I just didn't believe it. I got to meet all, all of my heroes essentially at surfing within a summer. And so I started writing at Surfer. And then that ended up when I graduated from school, the guy interned for it. He was leaving. He was like, I think you should take my job. So I did, you know, without hesitation, I was back out and I was writing. But then I was also, I was also kind of like, I wonder where else I could write for. I what other opportunities were like this and kind of seeing some surf centric editorial in the New York Times. So I started kind of, Found a contact there. It's like, yeah, I'd like to do this for you. And after pitching for like two or three years, they're like, hey, I got a story. You want to go do a thing on second homes in Nicaragua? And I was like, yes, I do. Because <laughs> I, I told them I was going to Nicaragua on for a surf trip. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, maybe you can fit this in. I was like, how different fit that. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I was always interested in seeing what other stories I could potentially tackle. Freelance for quite a bit while I was at Surfer. Great. How long were you at Surfer for, for including internship, total tenure? I don't mind. It's 2006 to 10. Okay. Well, all right. So that's a good college four years. Yeah. And that was, is a, that was a funny time. Like the internet just didn't matter then. I was just finished school. I was 21, 22. And they just kind of, okay, you can, you can run our digital properties. And I was pretty pumped at that opportunity yeah oh man so fast forward to now the inertia i think this is interesting so i did not know this but when we were talking last week you said that last year surfer magazine published their last print that's crazy it's not like something i really celebrate you know but it's sad you know it's sad there's a lot of heritage that brand and, and i learned so much i was given so many great opportunities there so I have like a kind of a strange relationship with it. And so it was like, oh, this, this thing was like kind of neglected at so much opportunity, but I had such a great education. So yeah, it's important because that, you know, I guess the, the perspective network totally shifted and it, I guess it just maybe wasn't part of a small enough or nimble enough group to make those tweaks. So yeah, it's sad. They, they published their last issue and then the, you know, their staff, I think all got furloughed. It was also last year was a weird, obviously it varies challenging and strange time to navigate for any business so 
But it was interesting that when we went to the surf shop in Camarillo right before we left and we were having a conversation with the owner and he said his business boomed last year because nobody could really go anywhere else on the outside. So surfing was just bananas, busy. Yeah, all the hardware and yeah, and how participation rates from what I've seen have just jumped tremendously like across all outdoor sports. It's like definitely surfing. Instead, from that data point from that the the shop, though, it sounded like oh now things are normalizing a bit. Maybe institutional, more team stick and ball sports are kind of coming back. Maybe the acceleration is not quite what it was, but people who have been surfing over these last year and a half—that's for sure. So catch the audience up on what is the inertia, and, and how do if people want to dig into it? Where can they find you online? Yeah, yeah. So we frame it as the voice of surfing outdoors, and right daily editorial outlet for you know the most compelling news features happenings related to serving outdoors and one of the inspirations initially for starting was actually this kind of i was on a trip to new york after i left surfer and had a chance to see ariana huffington speak at columbia because i was looking at their journalism school and she had this kind of vision of me have a citizen celebrity journalism where you know she had this absurd network of Big celebrities, you know, they can kind of weigh in on this and that and alongside talented writers and content creators. And I was like, you know what? I feel like that could work really nicely, you know, initially in the surf space and then eventually in all of surf and outdoor media. And so that was kind of the vision was to create this really robust community that's kind of an accurate representation of what the surf world looks like. So we have like 3,000 contributors and, and then a lot of them are celebrities and surfer icons and surfing outdoors and that was kind of the initial vision so you know but we have our editorial team that we're creating short films features things along those lines regularly with our partners but it's all in a while on the internship.com and we've also developed some education initiatives it's been really really fun and rewarding but you know essentially it's entertainment inspiration and education in, in the surfing outdoor world yeah, and then you guys have this sort of user-generated content uh, mechanism where you get people to, to share photos and videos. I mean, the content's incredible. Sort of like Daily Stoke on my phone, your Instagram follows for sure. Yeah, there's definitely been a lot of learnings and growing pains in that kind of community-forward editorial idea. You know, the filter has gotten a lot tighter than it once was. So the community probably versus maybe... Maybe 10 to 15% of our content output now, maybe earlier in that arc, you represent a bigger proportion, but it's been fun. Why are I getting making tweaks as, as we go? How long have you guys been at it now? When, when did it start? Gosh, it's crazy. It's been 11 years. We started in September 2010. Yeah, that's great. Yes. 11 year anniversary a couple months back. It's nuts. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it was yesterday, but it also doesn't feel like uh, it was a crazy amount of time ago. So I don't know the make of that time span. <laughs> Why do you think the brand has uh, created so much sort of gravity, resonance, attention, however you sort of think about all those things? I think though, one of the biggest distinctions in how we've always approached editorial is like, is this inherently interesting? And it's kind of a really human first approach to content in the space. And we definitely part of the 
content portfolios, definitely like, you know, people getting fair a huge weight, you know, very straightforward action. But I think any time we are spending time and resources on any sort of project, you know, part of it is, you know, does this have potential to be interesting to anybody, whether they surf or not, you know, and sometimes that means disregarding some of the, the new markers and or expectations along the core surf internet and you know sometimes that ruffles feathers a little bit but we're just a really inclusive platform and funny enough whether it's funny or not i don't know like surfing isn't always that inclusive it can be pretty exclusive sometimes and i think that's something that maybe i personally have always kind of taken issue with and i've never really appreciated and so we're kind of like welcoming everyone to the party and uh it'll still always be challenging to be really good at surfing but uh is that from a demographic point of view? Because it's mostly skews to younger white male that are also kind of aggressive. And when we're out surfing, it's a singular thing. Where so we're trying to, you know, you know, be more aggressive and, and take waves. And it's sort of a there is a sort of a zero sum game with surfing. You're competing against other people for the waves, which actually makes the surf ranch really interesting because you're not having that competitive element. And I guess getting off on a little bit of a tangent, but I was like trying to calibrate on on what your definition of, of not being inclusive is. Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's, I think there, maybe from my perspective, there's just like a real prioritization of the, maybe like the narrative, the experience of like the Cubs, the, the, the hubs of surf culture, maybe like Orange County, like Gold Coast. It's like, but those aren't, they don't necessarily need to dominate the narrative or the experience. Like, so many people at surf around the world that they don't they don't live in ours it's like it's like irrelevant actually to them and so that kind of always fascinated me a little bit growing up you know as a surfer on the east coast but to your point you know it is a really unique sport and that there is kind of a limited supply and a way of rideable waves good waves and you know the demand is all seems like it's only increasing so i can understand the, the instinct towards exclusivity like just from a economics perspective i guess yeah that's all great well, yeah and i really appreciated that because i've never surfed the outer banks in the carolinas where kind of that's your backyard and from what i can tell it's world-class surfing people know about it peripherally but it's sort of overlooked i think to your point about being more inclusive right yeah it can be really good, but I mean, I also feel like technology's really changed that. There's far fewer hidden, hidden gems anywhere, for better or worse. You know, you, yeah, and then, and we started the air show also like before, and like Instagram, I think started maybe a year or two after. You know, so people weren't really kind of sharing their experiences as regularly the way they are now. You know, so that was kind of one of the things that we really encouraged, like to hear people's perspectives. Yeah, I love that. Well, speaking of perspectives, one of the things that you were really excited about was the summit that you're organizing. Can you speak to that a bit? Yeah, we're super excited to bring Evolve, our, our annual summit, back in person this year. We went online last year for obvious reasons. But four years ago, we just really wanted to create an event. It's kind of the embodiment. You know, I always have the idea of the inertia. We're just celebrating people who are making really positive contributions to surf and outdoor culture. Typically, that's been through the lens of social impact or environmental impact, 
all, all, all sorts of different topics that kind of tackled and get some really impressive individuals. They're kind of at the forefront of each to have really, you know, interesting conversations. Um, and this year we're bringing it back on so December 10th, I think it's a Friday in Los Angeles. Um, it'll be smaller, it'll be a little scaled down, but we're really excited just to bring some people safely together to share some ideas. Got the same type of energy that we felt last week. We feel inspired. Yeah, what sort of thought you want people thinking when the event and the summit's over? I mean, if you everyone kind of gets exposed to those, you know, someone doing something really cool in order to put him in innovation, wellness, social impact. We're going to premiere a film that we produced called Pete California that's with this highball boulder, Nina Williams. She's a North Face athlete. She takes this big wave surfer climbing and gets him out of his comfort zone and she takes him, she takes her surfing you know, it just encourages people to, to, to try new things, maybe look like a cool girl, like a Gumby, you know, just feel uncomfortable and ask some good questions and, and leave inspired to make an impact and in some capacity, you know, however you're best fit. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. Well, hopefully I can finagle a ticket. That would be amazing to turn up. Well, congrats on everything with the inertia. It just seems like there's nice big bonfire on the beach that you've built and, and, and people are, you know, bringing their friends and spreading the word and, and all that. So yeah, super grateful that you're doing it. It's, it's fun. It keeps me psyched to get in the water and it's cool that you build a great, you know, business out of it too. It's, it's the dream, right? Thanks. Yeah. We're, we're trying. It's fun. It's all, you know, always a learning and yeah, I feel really grateful to be doing what, what we're doing and, you know, to get really cool opportunities. That was definitely the intention when we started. It's like, be able to create an outlet where we can tell really great stories, way to surf and outdoors and be around inspiring people and be active and be outdoors. Yeah, those all sound like wonderful things. It's great. White hat motivations, intrinsic motivation. It's great. Well, shifting gears, one of the core themes on the the Curdy D show is humanizing success. And I've overcome so many challenges in my life, Zach. And I really believe the bigger the breakdown, the bigger the possibility for a breakthrough. And having said that, what are some challenges personally or professionally that you faced and overcame that you're comfortable sharing? And, you know, what gifts did those challenges or pain give you? It was hard to, to get this going. It's definitely hard to keep your shit going. Was there anything around like even Surfer Magazine with that whole story that was challenging? It seems like there would be a fair bit of ambivalence or mixed emotions with a brand that help you get going and you're so loyal to, but they just had a different perspective on the world that ended up being wrong and you were right. Maybe, yeah. I feel like one of the things I've maybe always taken issue with a little bit in, in surf culture is just this kind of like in the obsession with image and or the concept of cool. And we talked a little bit about that because it's kind of meaningless. <laughs> I guess that I've always just really gravitated towards people being earnest and vulnerable and trying hard to get things that, you know, you believe in and working hard for them and maybe failing and that's sucking. And I think that was maybe something that I really wanted to appreciate from wrestling. And I think I learned a lot of hard lessons wrestle growing up. Like I wanted to be a national champ so bad, like, and I think I was second in the country. And then I transferred to the school, like, that I walked to the kid in the finals and I was like, I'm going to beat that kid. But it was like the best school, you know, that 
Club Blair Academy and won 50 national titles consecutively. And I, n- I never beat the kid or, or, or the other people on the team to start. And like, I worked so hard at everything. I did everything I possibly could. And it was like a really rattling experience. Like, not get what you want but like a transition to really love and do other things and try to excel in the same way at them but that's something that maybe it's never really resonated with me about surf culture it's like oh whatever doesn't care like and that's cool and it's funny yeah i feel like especially recently like that climate has been less hospitable to that attitude but that was like really kind of one of the biggest flags in the ground with the inertia it's like no it's actually really cool to care a lot about things that are important to you whatever that cause may be and to fight for it and there's been like a culture shift that like maybe we're early on into which is nice but now that it's shifting it's just kind of interesting to observe because it definitely wasn't necessarily that hospitable towards us especially early on and we don't get negative feedback too and and that's fine well trolls are evidence that you're doing something worth trolling yeah, it definitely caused me to think about the contribution I want to make through our work and for media. It makes me think hard about like, the role that media serves and can function in. Yeah, well, it sounds like there's a couple of different insights, but the the one that, that sort of pops out is sort of the dream that you had of wrestling and having to sort of put that dream down, and then you were able to kind of dream a new dream and maybe kind of achieve, do some maybe judo to use a funny... Or a little mixed metaphor there. That's cool. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, no, it was kind of abstract. But hopefully, be useful. Probably, like, I'm going to get to talk to Timmy Curran next week on the show. And that's one of the things that I'll want to get into him is this idea of transformation. And, you know, he's transformed from top, you know, five pro surfer in the world to musician and now businessman. And, you know, how do you know when you've sort of ridden that particular wave to the beach and time to go hop on a new one or in a different different zone, right? Yeah, those are, I feel like those are often the most exciting times, right? When you're making a pretty big change. That also, in my view, is kind of a fun zone to live in. Maybe not constantly, but that's when you really learn a lot. You question a lot what's going on. You make some big decisions and you see how they shake out. Yeah. So transitioning, uh, rounding third base to the end of the show, I'm going to ask you a couple more rapid fire questions, Zach, kind of random. So first one, best boss you ever had and who was it and why? Best boss I ever had had to be Briggs and Dave, Elisa's Pizzeria in Rodanthe. That was like my first real job, tossing pizzas or washing dishes between just hunting swells. And I mean, I'll never forget this. I mean, it was like my first or second week of order. Briggs' brother is in the band, the Pat McGee band. I'm kind of butchering his story. <laughs> he just called the whole staff and was like, everyone needs to be at the restaurant or at my house. Or what? I don't know. It was at like 5 p.m. on Saturday night or something. I'm closing the shop now. It's like, this is a weird hazing ritual or something. And uh, he pulled up like a, he had a stretch Lincoln Navigator, took the whole restaurant up to go see his brother's band play. Like, you know, it's like, Blowing away. I, I couldn't believe it. I never had, that was my first job. I don't think I ever had a boss that. Like, I mean, we were hard, you know, hard in a rush shot, feed the island, like, more 
several times over each week. So that always made an impression on me. Take care of your crew as best you can. Yeah, that's a great insight. Well, I think it's great to segue into the next question. So best team or company culture you've ever been a part of, and it's okay to say the inertia. Yeah, I got to say our team got, got to. It's a great crew of good people. Everyone works hard, loves what we're doing, keeps a good attitude, really sincere. And I, I mean, I got to spend some time in Nike, and that was awesome. You know, that was really interesting. But yeah, got to go with our team on that for sure. <laughs> yeah, we had, we got into a discussion on the drive back about values, and that was that was memorable. Are there any values that are really important to you in the company? Yeah, I mean, one of the kind of ways we frame how we, you know, approach covering, you know, surfing outdoors with, with curiosity, optimism, and respect. And that, I feel like that's pretty emblematic of, of our team you know, and just kind of our approach to things. Yeah, I love that. Well, it's a wonderful segue into the next question. So what's something that the world doesn't know about Zach that uh, we wouldn't know if I wasn't too curious to ask? It could be a fun fact. You know, <laughs> I go, I like right pinky toe. Like, I just like sticks up. Love that can, can barely. I like wonder if other people can move their pinky toes. Like, I'm barely wiggle that finger. Man, I was like, not even kind of like sometimes. <laughs> That's funny. I don't have a nail on my little pinky toe. So, there we go. We're like pinky toe bros. I feel like, yeah, I'm sure I would be interested to take like a pinky toe survey, see how. <laughs> People's pinky toes are the idol. <laughs> so the final question here, well, I brought some guitars up and we both got to jam on some music and that was fun. You're quite the guitar player too. So big fun final question. If you could magically have any band or artist, even a rapper, play any venue now, in the past, or in the future, who would it be and where? Mm, that's a good one. The first thing that came to mind was like was Paul Simon. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. Was um, the Hollywood Bowl, I think, or the Greek? I can't remember. It was so cool. It was so great to see it. I mean, it would be like a, that would be like at a beach bonfire or something like that. I give me something small and mellow. Like that, would, that would be pretty amazing. A poet, pure poetry, and like just so uh, appreciative of the music he's put into the world. That'd be that. That's the first thing you want to mind. Yeah, I love that. Growing up, my dad uh, would play Graceland a lot, but I love that album. Sweet. Well, in closing, Zach, how can our audience be helpful uh, to you? Check out the Inertia or check out any of the courses that we may have. I mean, that's kind of the one of the bigger initiatives as well and you know, creating it courses with with icons of surfing outdoors, on inspired courses and under courses.inertia.com. And if any of those Keep your interest, check them out. Are they want to learn to surf or uh, deal with heavy water or backcountry or seat to table cooking? There's a lot of really cool classes that we made with people we have a lot of respect for. So maybe check that out or just read the site or share any feedback. It's all welcome. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Great. And then I think that's a wrap. What a wonderful conversation and great context. And I feel like I made a new buddy last week with you and I'm, I'm excited to do it again somewhere soon. And uh, thank you so much for the magic that you're bringing to the party, Zach. Oh, thank you. I'm pumped to have a new friend. And yeah, anytime I want to surf, I'm around. 
Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate you. Thanks again to my friend Zach Weisberg for being our guest. What a memorable episode for me personally, and hopefully you found it inspiring too. I'm at Curdy D on Twitter and Instagram, also Kurt Derdix on LinkedIn. Sign up to the newsletter at KurtyD.com. And special thank you, as always, to Hunt Club for sponsoring the show. Hunt Club is a new category of recruiting firm helping the next generation of category creators find the best talent. Go to HuntClub.com to learn more or let me know and I'll take care of you. Till next time, Curdy D loves you. Thanks for listening. To review the show notes for this episode, which includes a summary, key takeaways, and any links mentioned, visit curtyd.com. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to be notified when new episodes go live. Stay tuned for more unique perspectives shaping the world on The Curdy D Show.